welcome to 321 I Relaunched, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we're speaking with Nancy Everhart, executive director of Pro Bono Partnership, which provides legal services to nonprofits with specific missions, which we'll talk about shortly. Our theme is how skill-based volunteering better positions you to relaunch with pro bono partnership opportunities as a prime example. Nancy, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thanks very much, Carol. I'm looking forward to speaking with you today. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Before we get further into the uh, examples and how pro bono partnership works as an organization, can you give us a little bit of history about it and um, the sum- a summary of the work that you do? Certainly. So the Pro Bono Partnership was launched almost 22 years ago by a group of lawyers, corporate lawyers in the uh, New York and Connecticut area that realized that they had two sets of needs that they felt particularly well qualified to address. They had a number of lawyers who worked generally in-house at corporations, who had skills that were business and transactional legal skills, not necessarily litigators, but these were lawyers who wanted to give back to the community, but often felt somewhat out of place taking on what we thought of perhaps 20 or 30 years ago as traditional pro bono matters, often representing individual Uh, defendants or uh, individuals in situations involving criminal law or incarceration. These lawyers know how to help businesses. So they have business law skills. And at the same time, there were a large number of nonprofits serving the communities in suburban New York and in Connecticut that had a need for legal services on a daily basis to understand their own corporate structure, their governance needs to be able to understand the legal terms in the contracts they were signing or the leases they were entering, to understand if they had rights regarding their own intellectual property as an organization. But they didn't have the money. These nonprofits had money that they were making to serve their communities. They did not have money to pay for lawyers. The idea was, wouldn't it be great if we could marry, meet, introduce these two groups to each other, the nonprofits that need the legal services, and the lawyers who know how to provide those legal services to corporations and to companies. And really, it's not a big change from providing that advice to, for example, a GE, to providing corporate advice to a nonprofit. The scale is different, but the basic concepts are the same. So that's how we were born. And again, 22 years ago to serving Westchester and Fairfield counties in Connecticut, very quickly expanded to serve the lower Hudson Valley then part of New Jersey, then all of New Jersey. We are now serving all of New Jersey, all of Connecticut, the lower Hudson Valley and Long Island. Um, We serve thousands of nonprofits a year with thousands of matters. We have literally thousands of volunteer lawyers who jump in to help on matters where they have skills and expertise and wanna help the communities. That sounds amazing. And what about your personal involvement with it? What, What is your career history with Pro Bono Partnership? Well, I started as a somewhat experienced lawyer. I had 13 years of experience in environmental work, a lot of administrative and regulatory work, and I was looking to find work that was more meaningful to me 
and stumbled upon the New Jersey office of the Pro Bono Partnership, which was in need of a second lawyer. So I joined as a staff attorney. And we have staff attorneys. We currently have nine, don't hold me to that, staff attorneys in our four offices who work with the nonprofits to help them understand the general legal environment in which they're working, help identify what legal needs those nonprofits have, and then work to match those nonprofit clients with volunteers in law firms and corporations throughout the area who have that skill set and want to help that organization. So I did that for a number of years. Then I became the director of the New Jersey program where I served for 12 years. And the last almost two years, I have been serving as executive director of the partnership for all of our, all of our areas where we work. Got it. And in a little bit, um, I, I do want to walk through with you the mechanics of how you just started to touch on it, but a little more deeply on, you know, examples of different types of legal issues that you work on and, and then how, like what happens when a, like a nonprofit has a legal issue and they come to you and then what happens when an individual lawyer comes to you who wants to volunteer with you. Um, but before that, I, I was intrigued right away when I was looking at the background of the pro bono partnership because I noticed that a part of the incubation of one of the nonprofits that I most admire, Rising Tide Capital, which I've, I've been following almost since inception um, with the founder Alpha Demolash, um, you have done extensive work with that organization. And I wanted to know if maybe as a case study, you can describe for us a little bit more about that relationship and the types of work that, that um, you have done with them and, and maybe uh, a little history uh, about how, it, how it's evolved over time. Sure, I'd be happy to. I mean, Rising Tide does sort of track a fairly common um, path with many of the clients that we start working with at inception. Although I will say Rising Tide is, is one of our rock star clients um, and they really have, have been amazing. So. Rising Tide Capital, as, as I think you know, Carol, was formed in 2004 by two very idealistic um, recent college graduates who wanted to help communities help themselves. Um, they came to our New Jersey office in 2004 with this idea of how they could start this small business incubator to help areas that were perhaps underserved um, economically to develop their own businesses. And we helped that organization incorporate. Again, these, these two people were very smart and understood a lot of business concepts, but didn't understand legal concepts, particularly with nonprofits, which a lot of people don't. So we helped them form their corporation, develop their board, applied for tax exempt status from the IRS. And since then we've worked on literally dozens of matters with Rising Tide Capital, everything from the initial contract contracts in which Rising Tide was working with local communities, with local universities and colleges, um, helping them understand lots of leases. Rising Tide has expanded over the years and they've moved and had to renovate space. And each time there are real estate legal issues that arise. Rising Tide staff are great with understanding the business terms of those relationships, but the legal terms are something that it is really helpful to have an experienced commercial real estate lawyer walk one through. And we, we've done a great job with that, matching them with lawyers from a number of businesses, um, corporations and firms that wanted to help them. 
they have occasional questions about, will this particular proposed activity have any impact on our tax-exempt status? And usually the answer is no, but they're, they're being smart and proactive and thinking about potential risks before they enter new ventures and opportunities. They have a lot of employment issues because they have grown from the two founders to having a quite large staff. So like any other organization with employees, they need to make sure they're complying with all the applicable employment laws, which vary not only by state, but also sometimes by municipality. We help them develop a set of personnel policies, job application forms that are compliant with the relevant state laws, employee benefits questions as they were able to offer health and other benefits to their employees. Um, and general contracts, really, again, lots of contracts advice and um, much more intellectual property than I think they even anticipated at the beginning to protect their curriculum, to make sure that their name and logo, which was a very great name, you know, Rising Tide Capital is a great name um, to make sure that no one could infringe on it. So we've helped them with dozens of matters over the years. And we've gone to working just with the two founders as our contacts to working with a lot of the other business leads within Rising Tide on particular matters. And so that's amazing. And I also want to say that they were really ahead of their time with the whole incubator concept before it's caught on as we know it today. Yes. Um, and just to hear the fundamental role that Pro Bono Partnership played in the uh, establishment and growth of this high impact nonprofit. Um, I, I Can you talk about like, do they pay or like reduced rates or like, how does that work? So for the legal services, we have we, we do look at and we do this with every nonprofit that applies to us. We look at not only the size of the organization's budget and their sophistication, but whether they have cash available to pay for lawyers. And this is a bit of a tricky qualifying question because some organizations are much larger than others, yet sometimes a smaller organization has more funds available to pay for lawyers because they have funds that are not dedicated or restricted to any other purpose and aren't planned to pay for services. But our services are all done on a pro bono basis. And, and if an organization develops, and, and it, this has happened, so much um, really sort of, I don't want to call it excess capital because it's available as a buffer to them or to use for other things. But if they have enough uh, capital to pay for a lawyer, um, then Certainly, if they have been hiring lawyers for certain matters, then we often will tell them, you know, we think you've outgrown and we're launching you out into, you know, your own legal world, um, although we'll still be available for questions. But Rising Tide is still, we're doing those matters on a pro bono basis and because we've determined that they are, you know, even though they're growing, they don't have cash available to pay for services. They would need to cut back on their programs. So they they come to us when they have matters. We go out to our group of law, law firms and corporations who have the expertise that Rising Tide needs in a particular matter. And we find them, you know, a contract lawyer or a real estate lawyer or an intellectual property lawyer to walk them through the project to help negotiate on their behalf. And they've developed some great relationships with a number of our um, companies and firms who support us. And uh, so, yes, they haven't they have not paid at some point. That may happen, but we, we're not there yet. Very interesting. And so just then to dive a little deeper on the individual side, now that we have an example of what it's like on the client side. Um, so for lawyers who are providing these pro bono legal services, it sounds like many of them are actively working with law firms or in legal departments of companies, and they do this 
um, as their side, you know, pro bono, because they're interested in providing pro bono legal services as part of the mix of what they do. Um, do you also have relaunchers in the mix who are uh, lawyers who are on career break for one reason or another, uh, but want to be actively involved in delivering legal services uh, while they're on career break? We do, actually. Um, I, I would say the most common situation of that is um, we, we certainly are, are, have worked with relaunchers. We also work with a lot of re retired lawyers, lawyers who have retired from the active practice, mm -hmm. but want to remain um, active in their community, but they are they don't want to have the day to day of going to you know work and having that. So they have this skill set. They are welcome to help. We love working with them. Um, when there are lawyers who relaunch, we usually have projects available in their areas of expertise, so long as that is something that they do something that we have services for. Again, we don't assist with litigation matters. So someone who just wants to do litigation, they'd be better looking off for opportunities to volunteer elsewhere. But, you know, we do think of it as the ultimate skills-based volunteering that opens up doors and makes connections. And it's not unusual for lawyers that are volunteering with us to um, sometimes end up on the board of our nonprofit client, um, you know, as a volunteer board member, because they develop a, an excitement about the mission and, and interested in what the organization's doing. And we certainly have many solo practitioners and people who have, you know, have their own business and want to work with us, um, not because their company is encouraging it, but because it's important to them. But as far as lawyers who are relaunching, um, it, would this be a good opportunity, a good time for me to talk about some of the relaunchers we've had work with us? Yeah, that would be great. So I, you know, I'm, three people came to mind immediately um, as people who had have worked with us and I think quite successfully one uh, was a relaunching lawyer who had actually enrolled in um, Pace Law's New Directions program, which was, I don't know if it's still active, I think you're familiar. It's, it's not still active, but that was a terrific program that produced some excellent relaunch success stories. Right. They really were. And, and this lawyer had worked in for-profit law before her career break. She had a significant, maybe 10 or 15 year career break. And she came out of Pace Law's program and did her internship program with Pro Bono Partnership and um, did, learned a lot of different areas of law with us. We, she, she had obviously a basic solid corporate law skill set, but needed to understand more about the tax exempt law and the nonprofit side. She really wanted to move into nonprofit work. And so the work that we gave her was a lot of corporate governance, basic corporate agreements, contracts. Um, she did a lot of research, learned a lot of things. We were able to give her templates and, and advice and steer her in the right direction and connect her with lawyers who could help her understand some of the finer points um, in specific areas of law where we didn't necessarily have that skill in-house. But she honed her skills with the nonprofit sector, working with us for about a year or two, volunteering, um, and then moved on to an in-house, a full-time job, um, as general counsel in a nonprofit in New York City. So the skills she learned for us were really almost directly applicable to being a general counsel of a smaller nonprofit. Uh, so that was a great success. Um, another person who was relaunching was actually relocating um, to the United States or locating to the United States. Um, this person had been uh, working in legal in Europe for many years 
had relocated to New York State and was looking for a way to um, get the 50 hours of pro bono that, by the way, New York now requires for all new um, admittees to the New York uh, State Bar license. And this person took on projects with us. She wanted to get experience here and volunteered with us for on and off for several years. She said, you know, the volunteering with us helped her feel like an American lawyer. Um, she had some pretty basic, solid grounding, but not in the U.S. law. And she did a number of different kind of matters. We, again, as we always do with any volunteer who has some basic knowledge but needs to understand some more of the fine points, is we talk to them about it, but we also have lots of templates and suggested reading and publications and things that you know we can steer them towards. Um, we introduced that person in the end to various banks as she had been in working in legal work in banks before. And she did end up with a job in a U.S. bank and um, was very excited because she was up to date with nonprofit law. She was up to speed with that, but she also had learned some basics that were different in U.S. law from European law overall in the corporate sector. So that was very well for her to make that step. And then the third one was really just, you know, working. She wanted to work. She had worked in the for-profit sector. She had had several years off and um, she was looking to get back in, but this time to the nonprofit sector. And, and very similarly to the last example with the European, in this case, we were able to introduce her to um, areas of nonprofit law that she could work in and um, understand the nuances of nonprofits so that when she was ready to look for a job, she was really well situated to do that as well. So those are really interesting. And when you say, you know, introduce the, the these lawyers on career break to areas of nonprofit law, are they shadowing? Like, is there a team-based approach to um, some of the legal work that you do for organizations? How do they get that introduction? Yes, really when people volunteer with us, the kind of level of engagement that our staff attorneys provide depends on a number of things. I mean, many lawyers don't need any involvement from us. I mean, a trademark lawyer who's working for a large you know, pharmaceutical company is going to be able to do the trademark work and don't really doesn't really need anything from us to help them. But a lawyer who right. comes in with a corporate background, a general corporate background, but perhaps doesn't understand um, the nuances of nonprofit law, we do have, we have templates for each of our, the states in which we work. This is what these corporate governance policies look like. This is what a certificate of incorporation must stay and say in each of these states. Here's an article talking about how to ensure that you comply with the filing requirements for nonprofit uh, formation and governance in each of these states. And those are uh, documents or pieces that either we have written up or volunteers with expertise in that area have written up, or in some case, colleagues of ours around the country have written up to help their lawyers understand the nuances of nonprofit law. And we're always available for any volunteer, whether they're relaunchers or working full time. If they have questions about nonprofits, we're there. We're, we're the backstop. We can help answer the questions. And in fact, we also help find, uh, you know, if, if a lawyer is going down a particular, helping with a particular matter and discovers that there's some area of this fine point of law that was raised in a contract or an agreement that is not common and they hadn't seen it before and they don't know the answer to it and we don't know the answer to it at Pro Bono Partnership, we can then go to our lawyers, our pool of lawyers, and there may well be someone who happens to have expertise in, you know, something, for example, we had a matter that involved redevelopment of a nonprofit's facility and there was a question about, um, 
condominium law. And that's not something that we knew or the volunteer lawyer knew, but we have someone at a law firm who's actually an expert on that. So that person helped along, helped the matter along with us and the volunteer until that issue was resolved. So we can help make connections among a lot of different lawyers with a lot of different areas of expertise. Very interesting. Um, so I noticed because when, when I was researching um, pro bono partnership that, uh, that, you know, of course you have paid roles. You talked about staff attorneys um, who work uh, as part of the, the paid staff of pro bono partnership. And I noticed that you currently are looking for an administrative assistant in your White Plains office. And I wanted to know, do sometimes people start in a role like that and then they move around over time or um, is are, do people pretty much stay in their roles? And what is the um, employment and work environment like at Pro Bono Partnership itself? So yes, we do have people that start in one role and move into another. It happens, I will be honest, a little less with the attorneys. Generally, if they're starting, they're starting as a staff attorney. Um, if that's what they want to do, we we have had attorneys serve as other in other roles such as um, marketing coordinators in the past. Uh, so so we wouldn't not hire an attorney if that was the work that they knew how to do and wanted to do it. But generally, yes, we do hire, for example, administrative assistants. And in fact, the last two administrative assistants here in our White Plains office are now doing other jobs in our office. Um, one is working with our development director on researching and coordinating grant applications. And another one is working on helping plan the gala, um, our, our annual fundraising gala, and is working in that part of development. Another one in a different office has it started as an administrative assistant and is now the marketing um, assistant and coordinator. So frequently those people will move into different roles and as they develop the skills and or the interest in moving there, that is, that's something we are happy to do with that. Again, lawyers often do start as staff attorneys and then stay on, just, you know, become more experienced staff attorneys. I don't think we've, um, I mean, I started as a staff attorney and now I am the executive director. So that is an example. Um, but yeah, there, there are definitely opportunities within the organization to move on. Again, with lawyers, there's kind of a, you know. <laughs> right. No, I understand what lawyers I, actually, yeah. I was actually asking the question because I was intrigued for non-lawyers, you, you know, who right. are listening to this podcast, who are relaunching, who have a lot of capabilities in marketing or grant writing or development or event planning. Um, the idea that you could come in rather entry level and then move into one of these other roles over time because your organization is continuing to grow is intriguing to me and just something I want to flag uh, yeah. for our listeners. And we're happy to support them as much as possible. You know, for example, a couple of the younger uh, people in our office, not necessarily younger, but newer people in our office um, were we encourage them to enroll in a um, Westchester Emerging Leaders Program because this, this main office is in Westchester County so that they have, it, it's really for people who are, um, have started out in nonprofits at some point in their career, but really are, you know, sort of a, want more of a, um, a more holistic role or a fuller role and are looking at, you know, their their careers going forward. And so there it, it's a very neat program that Westchester is set up for emerging nonprofit leaders to be exposed to lots of different issues. We encourage people to follow professional development and we have a budget to pay for people's professional development so that they can learn things that are of interest to them where they want to broaden and grow. 
and I am embarrassed to say this, but I forgot one of our one of our staff attorneys in the New Jersey office is a relauncher um, with someone who was um, whose company closed down after a number of years. It was a very senior lawyer there, started volunteering with us a couple of days a week just to keep himself busy. Um, and then when an opportunity opened for a staff attorney, we really, we didn't even look. We just offered the, him that job because he had been with us for a couple of years volunteering and we knew what an excellent job he had done. So that was a case of a volunteer being hired. Again, you know, we don't have, we don't have a big staff, so that's not going to happen a lot, but it did happen. <laughs> yes. No, I'm so glad you remembered to say that. That is just great to hear. Yeah. And what a perfect example. Um, you know, so when I'm listening to you talk, Nancy, it, it just sounds like this, this organization, your organization is amazing. And it's had uh, uh, this, it feels like explosive growth since inception, it's continuing to grow. So I'm just interested in, you know, when you're looking um, toward the future, five years out or 10 years out, uh, what do you see for uh, the vision for the pro bono partnership? Well, that is a very good question, Carol, because it's something we talk about here a lot. Um, growth has been, we have grown quite a bit geographically. And the question has been, is that something that we should try to continue or sustain? And we are, you know, we have a wonderful board who's very involved and has lots of very strong opinions about this. And I think they are happy to support strategic growth. So if there is a need in an adjacent community, and there's also a desire to support the work there, both from a volunteer lawyer perspective and um, a financial perspective, that we might expand it somewhat. Um, there are, however, lots of other organizations around the country who do this, and some of them are bump up against our service areas. So we're not, our plan is not to sort of take over anybody else's work. So what we really have been thinking about here is is we, you know, we've grown a lot, we have lots of clients, but are we really addressing the areas of need in our community as best we can? And so we've spent a good amount of time over the past couple of years talking internally and to others about whether we can do a better job identifying those nonprofit organizations in our communities that may not, for a number of reasons, be connected to as connected to the nonprofit infrastructure that exists in many communities. Um, examples might be an organization that is just very grassroots, it's working in one neighborhood, it's doing a ton of work with very little resources and just doesn't have the time or the energy to go out and figure out what other resources they should be looking at or, or even to figure out, are they structuring things right? Are they taking undue risks? And the question is how do we reach how do we reach those groups to let them know about us, but almost as importantly, to make sure that the services that we are offering them from a legal side or legal perspective are really what they need to move forward. You know, So working more collaboratively with certain communities to dig in deeper and make sure we really understand the people who are making a difference in each of those communities and what it is they need to move forward. It may not be that what they, it may be what they need isn't legal assistance. They may need some other kind of assistance or help. While we may not be able to provide that directly, we may be able to introduce them to ways to obtain some of those services because of the kind of work we do and that becomes more holistic and sort of sometimes out beyond just straight legal work. So that's really what we're looking at for the next five years is to figure out how can we do that? How can we get to know the communities better? 
have communities get to know us better and be comfortable with coming to us with issues that we can then see if we can help them figure out or find them someone who can, because we are part of that nonprofit infrastructure in the tri-state area. And we know a lot of resources that, that would be available to them. So that's really our five-year plan. I mean, we have made, you know, in a bigger area, we, we've made other excursions. There is now a pro bono partnership of Atlanta, and there's a pro bono partnership of Ohio that are not part of our organization, but they use our name, pro bono partnership, and we've helped them sort of get started and jump off. And they're both going very strong right now. Um, we'd be happy to help other if other groups of lawyers came to us in other areas of the country where there is a lack of services for nonprofits, we would be we probably would be happy to help them as well. Um, but I don't think our goal is to be the nationwide answer because what we're seeing is that really a lot of these solutions are are being addressed locally and are perhaps better addressed locally. Mm-hmm. And and that that's really interesting. And it um, leads me into my next question, which you already started to talk about about what's happening in other areas of the country. You know, um, a long time ago, we uh, connected with the uh, the founder of the DC Volunteer Lawyers Project. And that is a, um, that's an organization that focuses more on domestic violence. Um, and it was originally uh, founded by a, a relauncher. Uh, so I, that, that was a model that we had seen before but what you're talking about is something very different um, in terms of the legal services you're providing and, and the idea that you've been a resource for Atlanta and Ohio to grow some, some more organizations. You know, it just feels like, well, I understand that part of the um, requirement and benefit of the organization is that you're local and you understand the local law or the state law, you know, in the areas where these nonprofits um, are are establishing themselves and that's going to be different from state to state. Uh, so, uh, you know, I very generous of you to be in a role where you're helping similar organizations in, in other states to, um, to start and to grow. Which isn't to say that, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say there are a number of organizations that we're, we're part of a affiliation is probably too strong word, a coalition of groups like ours around the country who are doing this work. For example, the DC Bar Pro Bono Program does have a community economic development program, which is very similar to ours, our mm -hmm. program. So mm -hmm. it's that one segment of the DC Bar Pro Bono Program. Um, the Justice and Diversity Center, which is part of the San Francisco Bar Association, has a program very much like ours. There's a group um, called Wayfind in Seattle that does what we do um, and in the greater Seattle area. There's a group called Public Council in Los Angeles who provides legal services across the board, pro bono legal services to individuals and to organizations. But again, they have a division that works specifically with nonprofits. So the way it works in each area is completely different because it was generated locally. It may be part of a bar association. It may have come out of a law school. It may be a standalone organization. It may be an organization that provides more holistic services to the nonprofit sector in their state as a whole, such as Michigan Community Resources, and that includes legal services to nonprofits. So it looks different in a lot of different areas, but most of the major metropolitan areas, and I stress major, have some kind of program like this. Many of the sort of I'll call secondary sized cities don't have a program like this, and most 
rural parts of the United States don't have a program like this. There are some exceptions, such as in Texas, when this, where it's being provided by the Texas Rural Aid Legal Project to nonprofits as well as to individuals. But most places, there are some big gaps. There are some states, for example, Arizona and New Mexico, where I'm not aware of anybody doing this kind of work with nonprofits. So it's something that we hope to be part of altogether is to help encourage other companies, law firms, um, people around the state to get together and figure out how this is, because it's really such a great tool, not just for the nonprofits and such an assistance to them, but it's a great way for the the lawyers and the companies and the law firms in their communities to really get involved and help strengthen their own communities. So we we try to help out with that. And and it's not just us, though. We're part of a, a group of organizations that are all trying to help make that happen in other places as well. Well, thank you for talking about what's going on in the rest of the country. And I hope that our listening audience, which, which is national, uh, was listening closely to those examples that you stated about similar organizations around the country doing this kind of work um, pro bono or for nonprofit organizations. It, it's certainly a call to action for uh, for those in Arizona or New Mexico to think about starting a similar effort. And those who are in major metropolitan areas, both attorneys um, and non-attorneys who, who could get involved in the mission of, of an organization like this or um, actually get involved in providing the legal services themselves. Uh, both great opportunities for relaunchers and, as you're saying, non-relaunchers alike, you know, including uh, people and uh, who are, are have very active uh, legal practices who do pro bono work on the side. So, Nancy, Thank you so much. We are um, and we are running out of time now. I want to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? I think that one of the best things you could do as a relauncher is to follow your interests. If you are particularly interested in nonprofits, for example. Find out who's working with nonprofits in your area. Um, is there a statewide association of um, the nonprofits? Are there organizations providing legal services or other types of services to nonprofits? Identify those areas where you think you might want to learn more and then find out. I think volunteering is always a great way to find out if it's something that you would like to do and and whether it's something that you could end up doing or there are opportunities there. But I think volunteering with an organization, I mean, it's something we tell our, our organization, our, you know, people who come to us, any people, not even people who are just looking for opportunities to get involved in the nonprofits is volunteer. That's how you get to know a nonprofit. You get to understand what's going on there and you get to think, wow, this is a place where I would really want to make a difference. That volunteer opportunity might lead to a job. It sometimes does. It, but it might just help you identify better that this is a direction that you feel connected to. This is a direction that you would like to go in. And I think that for everybody who is relaunching, finding out what those things are, what's available, and, and what really grabs you is the most important thing you can do. Thank you. And Nancy, tell our audience, please, how can they find out more about Pro Bono Partnership? Sure. Well, we do have a website. If you type into your search engine pro bono partnership, that will take you there. Um, we'd usually pop up first or the website is www.pro.bono.org. 
probonopartnership.org. There's no, um, you know, no, nothing in pro bono partnership is just one long word, no spaces or punctuation. So www.probonopartnership.org. And there's a lot of resources there for nonprofits, for volunteers and lawyers, uh, lots of opportunities there. And we really, the website tells our story in a lot of ways. Excellent. So P-R-O-B-O-N-O partnership, all one word, dot org. Yes, that's correct. Great. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Carol. And thanks for listening to 321 iLaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.